Welcome back, guys, to Kieran's Corner. Once again, a very special episode of Your Team, Your Say. And I have Tom from at British Bird Gang here talk here to talk about his Arizona Cardinals. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Happy with the draft, you know. Now I've just got to wait for the season to begin. I mean, yeah, you know, makes one of us if we're both happy with our team's draft. But without further ado, guys, welcome to Kieran's Corner. Chicken and go, chicken and chicken and go. So guys, welcome to Kieran's Corner. I'm actually really excited about this. A lot of regular listeners uh, of the podcast will know that I'm a little bit critical of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, so I think that's where we should take the logical start point of this. And when he was hired uh, back in 2019, obviously you, the season before you drafted Josh Rosen, he was unceremoniously shot out of a cannon uh, to the uh, Miami Dolphins. How did, how did you feel when Cliff Kingsbury was first announced as head coach? I mean, to be honest, like his college record may be a bit wary, but the fact that we were trying to go like outside the box as opposed to like going with like an old retread, you know, I was happy we were trying something like that. And so yeah. far, so good, I think. It, I, I mean, that, that that's the thing we're going to debate. Um, we'll, we'll start off, uh, obviously, not the worst record in the world, five and ten and one as. You know, it was his first NFL head coaching gig and then obviously made a little bit of a leap in 2020. Uh, but from my perspective, do you think the NFL at, at this point, and we'll, we'll get on to like the intricacies of Cliff's game in a moment, but do you kind of feel like people are looking at these college systems, like the air raid systems, and thinking they're going to work better in the league than they possibly are. Obviously, Kyler came from that sort of system. But do you think there was a bit too much hype behind him? Maybe uh, expectations should have been tempered slightly. Um, I do think, yeah, sometimes he did go a bit overboard with him. Like, you know, obviously he struggled in college. I think he only, I think he finished with a losing record with Texas Tech. Albeit they weren't like the biggest program in the country either. It was so. five, five and nine, I think, was his final year. Yeah, so but and he's obviously worked with like some of the best quarterbacks like who are in the league at the moment. So you know you can see why they took a shot with him, and obviously it didn't start too well with winning only five games in his first year, eight in his second. You know some of them could have actually been won had he made better decisions. So I think that's where he really needs to improve going into twenty twenty one. Did you think it's down to coordinators as well, especially because we've seen. I mean, I mean, the Bills game is one, a game that you guys, in my opinion, you stayed in the game a lot, but I feel like you got really lucky with that Hale Murray at the end there. And, you know, it was a great play from Kyler, a great play from DeAndre Hopkins, a guy who I think is the best receiver in the National Football League. Uh, but do you feel like a lot of these games you shouldn't have been down when you were down in the fourth quarter? I think, like, obviously we've been trying to keep the games close in which we were able to do for pretty much all the season. So like, there was only one game that we lost, which was by more than 10 points. So, you know, a couple of things go our way. Could have been a completely different story. 
Yeah, were you happy with, <coughs> you know, getting rid of uh, Rosen after his first year and, th and then going for Kyler? I know I would prefer Kyler Murray as a quarterback, but how did you feel that they just got rid of him so quickly? Or, or were you all on board for, for Kyler Murray to be your guy? Well, I mean, personally, I did buy a Josh Rosen jersey in his rookie season, so I was kind of disappointed that they got rid of him after one year. But that's yeah. a completely selfish point of view. But, you know, from a team perspective, you can see why they did it, because obviously Cl Kyler fits Cliff's system a lot better than what Josh Rosen has done, or he would have done. So, you know, you can see why they did it, even though it did mean... Basically, we tossed away a first-round pick after one year. But, you know, we uh, did that with Steve Wilkes, didn't we? So it's not like we're opposed to, like, these, like, quick, what, whatever the word is, like, just taking... Quick, quick turnarounds, yeah. Yeah, well, something like that. Well, I was kind of interested when the Josh Rosen pick was made because I was very, very high on him. And I thought, damn, you put this guy in, like, maybe like a... a a decent spread offense, he's going to do well. And then you come in with Cliff Kingsbury only a year later, who gets rid of him and has that air raid style offense. And I, I, I will talk about the, the 2019 off season. You guys made a ton of moves going into the 2020 season. I think personally, especially after the draft, you guys probably have one of the best rosters on paper. And, Kyler's very clearly a very good quarterback. Obviously, he has turnover problems, but that can be uh, a fault of the air raid system. How did you feel going into the offseason when the first move you made was picking up DeAndre Hopkins, who is, in my opinion, probably a lot of people's opinion, the best wide receiver in the NFL? I mean, I wouldn't disagree with you there. I am also of the same opinion. He's the best in the game, and I'm glad he's actually a cardinal. I mean, I still actually can't believe that we actually pulled off that move. You know, giving away a broken down David Johnson in a second round draft pick. You know, bargain of the century, probably. I was about to say, I don't know what Cliff or your GM did to wangle that deal, but that was absolutely phenomenal that you managed to trade a washed up running back and a second round pick for probably the best pair of hands in the entire league. And you add that to a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, who is an all time great. And you've already, you already had a ton of talent at the team. I know he's left now, but. Uh, being an LSU guy, I'm obviously a massive, massive fan of, of Patrick Peterson. And some of the weapons you guys added, even on defense, with, with, with guys like Isaiah Simmons, who I, I think will probably have a breakout year this year, you have this incredibly strong roster. Did you almost feel a little bit like probably how the Cleveland Browns felt Um year before last uh, in the 2020 season, where given the strength of your roster, you kind of underachieved a little bit? I think, you know, the fact that we missed the playoffs is a disappointment in itself because, you know, as you say, in the roster was pretty good, but the results just weren't there throughout the season. Like, we lost games that we should have won, especially like the last two where we played backup quarterbacks. You know, losing them just like... You know, unforgivable, really, given what we needed them to do. Because, like, had we won one of them, I think we'd have made the playoffs. Yeah, it's, and I think you would have fared well against a couple of the playoff teams. I think with the guys you've got, guys like Kyler, who, yeah, he does turn the ball over a lot, but he does tend to shine in big moments. We saw that in his college career, and he hasn't quite had the opportunity to do that in the NFL. Um, but before we like 
talk about how this roster is building and how this roster is evolving. What do you, what would you have changed last season as a fan to sort to sort sort of make that not even the fan base feel better, but just you better personally? I think. What do you mean, like, as a result sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. Are there any things you would have changed that, like, you would you you think Cliff should have played more aggressive in certain games or more conservative in other games? Are there any like games where there were big mistakes made that really shouldn't have happened? There were a few where he should have maybe taken a field goal instead of like pushing on trying to get a fourth down conversion, which we never managed to do. You know, like had we taken the three points, could have been a completely different ball game. So yeah, I think like just taking the points when they're there, maybe sometimes is actually better than trying to force the thing. Yeah, I felt that Cliff. It kind of feels like he still thinks he's at college with some of the uh, attempts and stuff he makes. Just, I'm not going to say questionable because points on the board is always good, and aggressive coaches normally get results. But there were some fourth down calls you guys made where. Not not necessarily that it was a bad call to go for fourth down, but just like the play call. Like I, I I'm still confused at Andy Reid calling a passing play on fourth and inches, but it it, it worked for the Chiefs. So, uh, you know, Cliff's an NFL coach. I I can't question him too much. But you guys made some incredible, incredible off season moves uh, after what is very very much a disappointing season, I would say. But let's start with the big big free agency signing. JJ Watt, how did you feel landing a, a future Hall of Famer like that? Well, I know you've got some Hall of Famers on your team already, but how did you feel landing a Hall of Famer like JJ Watt? Yeah, to be honest, I couldn't believe that when I first saw it pop up on Twitter. Like, I think it was Adam Schefter or someone retweeted it. And I was like, I'm sure this is a photo shot, but then I saw who it was from. And it was like, oh, okay, he signed for Arizona, I see. And it comes out, we've got him. And, you know, going to be happier, really, even though some people might think he's washed up. You know, he's still one of the best defensive ends probably in NFL history. Yeah, I I, I saw washed thrown around a lot, and, and I did think you paid him quite highly, but JJ's not going to be a guy who's given you 60 snaps a game. He's going to give you 30, but he's going to have production on every single one of those 30 snaps. If we talk hard working, he might be the hardest working player in the league. And I think if Arizona still, I know you have a lot of veteran players, but you're still kind of the culture you're building. It's still very young. Cliff's only been there a couple of years. He's still got to cultivate something. Do you think the JJ Watt move was also there to sort of like cultivate a culture in the locker room to try and help bond everyone? I'd like to think so, yeah, because one of the criticisms of the Cardinals last year seemed to be like there was a lack of leadership from the players. So obviously bringing in a guy like J.J. Watt, you know, he's been around the league like 10 years now. He's won everything except like obviously Super Bowl, that sort of thing. But like, you know, he's just one of those guys who's going to be a vocal leader in the locker room, one for the young guys to look up to, you know, aspire to be like him. You know, yeah, I, I kind of feel like that actually resonates through the entirety of your free agency. You went and got AJ Green, a great veteran, kind of lost a step last year, but he can very easily have a bounce back year. And with a dynamic quarterback like Kyler, that'd be very easy to happen. We've got 
Malcolm Butler, who possesses one of the most famous Super Bowl highlights of all time, who's also a veteran, been in the game a ton of time. Matt Prater as well, great kicker, veteran kicker, holds, you know, held the longest field goal in the league at one point. And then another veteran in Brian Winters. Does looking at this free agency really make you feel that uh, my assessment of the JJ Watt pick was right, that you're really trying to build... Get some veterans in the building and make sure that rubs off on the younger guys you've brought in. Yeah, yeah, I can see that being the case because, like, obviously, wide receiver with Larry Fitzgerald, like, maybe not returning this year. You know, we'd be left with DeAndre Hopkins and a bunch of young guys who are pretty much unproven or, like, we haven't done it consistently, like Christian Kirk. So, obviously, AJ Green's got to come in, hopefully, be like a good second pair of hands for Kyler to throw at. You know, like you said, he had a down year last year. Where it's like, That's recovering from an injury, though. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. each rarer player comes back from an injury and has a, a career year. That's rare. I mean, he was having like Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley throw into him as well. So that can also go into the equation. That's a very good point. And it was very clear early on he as good as Joe Burrow is, the, the chemistry wasn't quite there. So that obviously affected a guy as well. Um, yeah, Matt, Matt Prater and Brian Winters, great pickups. But let, let's talk about the draft because you guys went hard in this draft. And your first pick, Zayvon Collins, I praised as a great pick. I think uh, potentially there was still a couple uh, of linebackers on the board at the time. But between JOK and Zayvon Collins, there's obviously the concerns about uh, JOK's injury. So how did you feel when Zayvon Collins' name was read out by the commissioner? I was honestly surprised, to be honest, because I didn't see linebacker as, like, a massive need for us going into the draft. So, like, he's not even a guy I really considered, as opposed as outside of, like, a couple of mock drafts where, like, all the cornerbacks and wide receivers had already gone. So, like, I had to pick someone at 16. So, like, I think that's obviously, like, the Cardinals had him highly rated on their board like he was one of their top five alpha players apparently according to steve Kahn. so like yeah, it, it, he sort of is is the opposite of um isaiah uh simmons in that respect where isaiah simmons is more built like a safety very fast very athletic Zayvon Collins is like a very, very traditional big boy linebacker who's gonna plug gaps and lay a hit on people it, do you think that kind of what the thinking is? They need somebody to pair with Isaiah Simmons to sort of complement his play style so they can get the most out of both? Yeah, I can see that being the case because after the draft pick was made, Steve Kime came out and said having him, having Collins and Simmons would be like having a pair of trees in the heart of the defense. So, like, obviously <laughs> two massive great guys. analogy. Yeah. You know, like, obviously Zayvon Collins isn't exactly a slouch as he's got quite a good bit of athleticism to his own game. So I think he'll be used in a multiple multitude of ways. Like we'll probably be using Simmons as well. Yeah, I, I feel like Isaiah Simmons has incredible football IQ. And, and even though last year probably wasn't the year a lot of people expected for him, I know at least myself, I was very, very high on him going into the draft. But I, but I feel like Zayvon Collins is the perfect complement to that. Uh, and that moves us on to your second selection. A guy who, he might be the only guy on the team shorter than Kyler. 
but he he's got a ton of speed, fairly good hands. Although I feel like uh, my colleague Lim was totally correct in saying that he would work better as a running back. How did you feel about the Rondell Moore pick? I mean, he's another one who like obviously we needed wide receiver options or like offensive options for Kyler to use, and like. There's a couple of tight ends on the board at the same time, which I thought maybe we'd go for like the Penn State guy, Pat Freemoff, isn't it? Pat Freemoff, yeah, yeah, he's good. I thought he could have been like the option at 49, but no, Rondale Moore was it. And, you know, obviously I'd seen a few of his highlights before the draft and I've been watching them ever since because, you know, he's just so fun to watch when he's got his hand, the ball in his hands. So I'm looking forward to see if he can do that in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, besides Rondale Moore, your entire draft was, like, defensive, besides uh, Michael Manet. Um, but you got a couple guys here, like Marco Wilson. Do you do you think they're going to kind of have him as, like, a slot corner, see if he can replace what you're missing from Patrick uh, Peterson? Or do you think you're just going to sort of have him sit around Malcolm Butler and sort of learn from a veteran, learn the intricacies of playing corner? Because... Marco is great physically, but uh, I feel like his decision-making isn't there. We saw he threw away the Gators game against LSU with the shoe throw. I don't know if you're aware of that. That was uh, (laughs) one of the things I wanted to put in the draft guide while scouting him was that he he has an incredible arm. Uh, But do you think he's going to get in right away, or do you think they're just going to let him sit and develop? I think, obviously, he'll need to develop his ball skills, as you said, because... You know, he's got all the athletic skill in the world. Like, he completely blew up at the pro day, posted, like, a 99 athletic score, which is, like, the maximum. So, like, he's got enough athleticism. He just needs, like, the ball skills, you know, needs to learn how to probably tackle a bit better, know how to locate the ball, you know, stuff that he'll probably learn from guys like Malcolm Butler and also the coaches. But I think in the meantime... He'll do a decent job on special teams. So he'll still he, get he used. He's a good like, special teams player. I, I will say that. Like it, it, In terms of the utility he's got on special teams, I think uh, he can take your special teams to another level. I think that's something people forget. But look at the... Did you see the Chargers versus New England game last season? I don't particularly watch when it's not the Cardinals. Okay, so... It's interesting, to be honest. It, it, it is a, uh, an example of why you pay attention to special teams. Uh, Chargers, very bad special teams unit last year. Patriots, one of the best. It was 45 to nothing. You know, the, and it was 90% of that game was special teams plays. The New England offense was not playing very well. Uh, and I think adding a guy like Marco Wilson, or as she said this on a podcast before, even a Tay Gowan who isn't the most athletic player, but is fast and you can potentially use him as like a gunner or something. Yeah. It takes your special teams to the next level. And I didn't watch a great deal of Arizona last year, but how, how did you think your special teams performed when they were on the field? I think we were actually one of the best, like special teams units. Obviously we didn't have like the big return numbers or anything like that, but Coverage unit, I think we ranked like top 10 or something like that. We've got one of the best special teams coaches in the league, you seem to say. So, we're allowed to judge that. Yeah, no. Um, 
stats wise, yeah, you guys are incredible on special teams and special teams are hard one because a lot of people um do tend to forget it. But going over those notable draft names there and, and the free agency games, uh, I don't want to say expectations because it's hard for to place expectations on a team with so many new members, but what, what are your hopes for next season? Wh- whether it be making the playoffs or winning the Super Bowl or anything in between, what what are you really hoping to see out of this team next season? And any players you'd like to see uh, potentially step up? I think, obviously, everyone wants to win a Super Bowl, don't they? So let's go with that for my aim. But I think, really, making the playoffs would be a good start because, I mean, we've got an extra game to play, but we were so close to making it last year. And hopefully we can erase some of those mistakes and take that final step, make it into the playoffs, and then who knows who's going to win in the playoffs? Uh, I mean, do you, do you think uh, another... Well, we, we can't have eight and eight this year, can we? Uh, so let's say like a nine and eight year or whatever. Do you think that that... Do you think Cliff's job isn't safe this year? Do you, do you think he's on the hot seat at this point? I don't particularly think so. I know like some some of the fan base do seem to think him and Steve Kime are like always on the hot seat. But I don't think that's the case, you know. I think they've probably got this they've definitely got this year to prove what they can do. And I think they've probably got next year as well before they think about making any more rash decisions like they did with getting rid of Wilkes after one year. Albeit that was a warranted decision. I just uh, think like the progress they've made under Cliff, you know. It's worth seeing where it goes because what have we got to lose? Yeah, no, you make a good point as well. And um, I do keep talking about this roster, though. Are there any players that you expect to break out this year or hope make a step up from their performances last year? I know I mentioned Isaiah Simmons. He's a guy who I think is going to have a breakout year. Are there any, are there any guys in that vein you think are going to have a breakout year or you hope have a breakout year? I mean, I'd love for Isaiah Simmons to actually hit, like, play, stay on the field for pretty much all the season because last year he was barely used as a rookie. And, like, when he was used, he made some big plays and, like, he had some big performances. But it was like you just didn't seem to trust him. Or it was the fact that we had Devondre Campbell playing his position. And it was like he wasn't playing that badly. So maybe he just thought we could get by, let Simmons, like, set out the year, basically, and use him when needed. But, yeah, I think he'll definitely make a step up this year on the defensive side. On offense, um, see, well, I would obviously like to see Andy Isabella make something of it because, you know, we got him from the pick that came from the Josh Rosen trade, and everyone's just like, thinks, you know, every time Andy Isabella makes a mistake, everyone's like, yeah, well, DK Metcalf wouldn't have made that mistake. But the thing is, was DK Metcalf on our board? We don't know. So yeah, yeah, I think it's weird to compare two players as well that are so different. Yeah, but it seems to be like the thing everyone seems to go to every week. Like, Andy Isabella's not playing, well, DK Metcalf is. So it's like, yeah. I'd just like to see Andy Isabella silence the doubters and actually play a bit. But that's, you know, as a Patriots fan, I hear that every time... Nikhil Harry is brought up. So is DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. Uh, and basically any receiver who went after him who outperformed him. We, I'm used to hearing that. 
Um, but I like Andy Isabella. And I mean, looking at you guys might have the strongest receiving core in the league right now. You've got AJ Green, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk. You guys are kind of building like one of the best. I know people talk about the Cowboys a lot, but how do you feel about having a receiver call that good uh, with a quarterback who also is that good? Yeah, I mean, it is exciting to think what they could be, but obviously games of football sadly aren't played in my mind because, you know, we'd be winning the Super Bowl all the time if that was the case. But like, yeah, you know, we use four wide receiver sets a lot, so obviously we're going to be using more wide receivers. So the more legitimate options we have at the position, the better, I think. And before we sort of get into how, how you become an Arizona Cardinals fan, would you like to throw out a record prediction for the Cardinals next season? How do you think they'll finish? Uh, well, I'd like to say 10 and 7 at least. So, yeah, you know, a couple of games better than last year. Get, get a winning record, record under your belt and, and finally have Cliff, you know, get get over that hump. I mean, it's his third year. I feel like he, he's probably uh, going to make a leap. But with, with that being said, you told me uh, you're a Cliff Kingsbury trufer, a guy who I struggle to believe in, but... I. I want to hear why you like him and why you think he's the right man for the Cardinals' job, despite everything that, that is said about him. I mean, to be honest, he's the coach, and really, if I complain as much as I want, that's not really going to make a difference, is it? So I just see it as like supporting the people who are in charge to make the correct decisions. And obviously, if he doesn't pan out, they'll just find someone else, and hopefully he is the guy. Do you think experience as a quarterback like for the Patriots and stuff sort of lends itself to his coaching and maybe he's better suited at the NFL level than he was at the college level I think it's hard to say because obviously college is completely different to the NFL like obviously with like all the recruiting and all that he doesn't have to do that sort of thing anymore does he but like obviously when he's at Texas Tech he'd be there phoning up high school kids all the time and like trying to get them to come to Texas Tech as opposed to like Oklahoma, Texas, or like the biggest schools, you know. I, I will say I like what he did um, for Dakota Allen, a, a linebacker who's currently with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had uh, was it theft of guns while at Texas Tech? Obviously, left became a, a, a star on Last Chance U, but. But Cliff was very big on the fact that he had changed and shown growth and improvement. Do you do you think that's important to have with a lot of the younger guys he's bringing in? He's obviously brought in the veteran presence, but do you think that's helpful that he's willing to give young guys second chances and, and say that, hey, first impressions aren't the only impressions you make on me as a coach? Yeah, I think so. That's obviously a good skill to have as a coach because obviously in the NFL you're going to be working with guys who've been in the league for like 10 years, guys who've been in the league two years, guys who've not even been in the league at all. You know, it's all a mixed bag. You need to like find out what works for each player sort of thing. So it's not really like a one sort of like one thing fits all sort of coaching. Got to sort of like adapt to each person, I suppose. Yeah, I, ju I just feel like, you know, obviously following coaches like Belichick and stuff, he's not 
huge on second chances. He's very he's very do your job, prove yourself sort of guy. But I kind of like that. That's one thing I do like about Cliff that he's very willing to give guys second chances, and he's very willing to to let guys make mistakes as long as they're going to learn from them. Uh, I think that speaks well for you guys as a team because you could potentially especially when you you bring in guys who maybe have underperformed the other teams uh, and then you bring them in to your organization then they can potentially do better i think that's a great great thing for cliff to have but before we move on to sort of like the last sort of segment how how do you feel about kyler because he is immensely talented his ceiling is ridiculous he's crazy athletic he's the I think the first player in history to go first uh, first overall pick in the NFL and then top five pick in the Major League Baseball draft. H- had, how do you feel as him as a quarterback? And do you feel like he showed a lot of progression over his first two years? Yeah, I think so. Because obviously his first year he came in the league, won offensive rookie of the year. I think it was in a landslide sort of thing. You know, there wasn't really much competition to him. So like, and then... He started off last season like house on fire. Like he was in MVP consideration, like first five or six weeks of the season. But then he decided maybe I can truck this Miami defender. And then after that, his performance just wasn't up to that sort of standard. So, like, hopefully in his third year, he learned not to do that anymore. Just takes what he can get, throws a ball to whichever receivers are open, you know, make better decisions. He sort of reminds you of Russell Wilson a little bit, and I'm not a person who makes player comparisons much. But and you haven't got the worst offensive line in the league. But did you sort of get like sort of shades of Russell Wilson when you see him uh, back there scrambling around in the pocket and extending the plays, and then just you know airing it out and always seeming to find someone? Does it sort of remind you of Russell Wilson watching that go down? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice to actually have the boot on the other foot in that instance because so many times over the years we've seen us, like our defence falling over themselves trying to get to Russell Wilson. But then he's there just walking out, making ridiculous throws down the field and then nothing really can do about that. Just have to applaud it. So obviously it's nice that we've actually got our own player who's capable of doing that. I was going to say, it's frustrating to watch any time the Patriots play the Seahawks and, you know, you absolutely obliterate their offensive line. And then Russell Wilson does some mad dashing, crosses the field (laughs) two, three times and then gets a ball out into the end zone, which is what was so impressive about the Hale Murray to um, DeAndre Hopkins. How did you feel in that moment? Because that must have been a heart stopper as he was getting mobbed uh, by pass rushers, and he managed to escape. Can you sort of talk me through your feelings from the the time the ball smat, snapped until you realised Hopkins was down, kept, come down with the football? And the annoying thing about that play was the fact that I ended up watching it on a delay because I, obviously I followed the game on Twitter, and like everyone's going crazy, like something mad has happened, and I'm like wondering what's going on. And then, like obviously, my feed and and eventually catches up. And I see the play in its entirety. And it's like, Kyler just rolls out, manages to get past the one defender who has like a free shot at him. And then he just hurls the ball downfield as he's falling out of bounds. And then obviously, 
in the end zone, there's like three Buffalo Bills, and then you just see a pair of black gloves above everyone else, and it's DeAndre Hopkins catching the game-winning touchdown. It's mental. I, I mean, Kyler said it best. He said, fuck it. Hopkins has got to be there somewhere. And like I said, probably the best receiver in the NFL. Even if not in terms of just his hands, his hands might be the safest pair of hands in the entire game. So if you put it up there, D-Hop's probably going to come down with it. I'm going to be honest with you. But this is a question I've got to ask. And this is sort of the last section of the show. I always talk to people about how they became a fan of their, their team. But how and why the Arizona Cardinals? How did that sort of come about? Well, I first started watching the NFL back in 2008. And I picked up the latest copy of Madden, which was Madden 09 at the time. So, like, I created myself as a game, you know, thinking, you know, this is the closest I'll get to being in the NFL. So, like, I created myself, and then you do, the, like, the draft thing. And then the Arizona Cardinals selected my player. So it was like, that just seemed like a good reason enough to follow them as my team. And 2008 happened to be the Super Bowl year. And I was thinking maybe that's, like, going to be the thing every year. You know, we're going to be making the Super Bowl, maybe actually winning it the next year. But, like, we've obviously not been back since then. Sadly. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, this, this seems to be like a common theme with British fans, especially. We have, so I live out in Cincinnati right now, and a lot of people here support Cincinnati, obviously, is where they're from. Uh, and a lot of people over the state of Ohio, it's it's a, it's a split. And, and it's sort of the same in every state that you get the split. So you have your Cleveland, your Bengals, and then the Steelers, because they're kind of close. And then the Cowboys, because... They're just the, the most, team, yeah, they're just the most famous team. Um, so you sort of see that a lot. But it's very interesting. Every time I speak to British fans, it's never that's who my parents supported or that that's the area I'm from. It's always, oh, that's the first team I played as in Madden, or when I spoke to Kieran, a Green Bay uh, Packers fan, his was oh, I I just they were wearing green when I saw him on TV and I'm Irish. So he, he likes them. And it's always some super interesting reasons. I think a little bit more interesting than how most American fans is where I was just born here. Um, and, and that... think so, isn't it? Like if you've not really got like a link to the state, you need to find some way of getting your team. Like obviously you could watch a Super Bowl and follow the winner or follow the loser. You like find one of those random generator things like NFL UK put out every now and then. Well, like, I, use them to select your team? Well, I literally spoke about this in the first episode of uh, Your Team, Your Say. Um, how I became a Patriots fan was I bought Madden. It it was kind of fun. So I was messing around with it. And then I saw my friend Ken at the pub. He was like, oh, American football's great or whatever. He was switching teams. He, he was sick of the Patriots for some unbeknown reason uh, and wanted he was like fuck it i'm just gonna roll with the texans they're a cool team do you want my old new england stuff and that that's literally how i became a new england fan and you know i put it in my head together i'm from england new england kind of makes sense and that that's what i love about the uk fans especially as they have way better reasons and stories for supporting teams and then the one thing that Americans will never understand. Have you ever been to one of the NFL UK games? I have, yeah. Yeah. How I've been great to is several it? Of them. How great is it when you go in there though and see 
all 32 teams represented and sometimes even some of the old NFL EU teams. Yeah, it's crazy. You can see, like, obviously people do, like, the game, don't they, where, like, the try and get a photo with, like, a person wearing the jersey of, like, every other team. So it's, like, just crazy the sort of jerseys you see. And obviously you see, like, university football teams, sometimes they're wearing them. And like really obscure teams, sometimes college teams as well. You know, it's just sort of thing like, just like American football fans go and watch, not like necessarily just supporters of that one team or the two teams rather that are playing. Yeah, because you know British British sports culture is very very different to Americans, and I think we sort of embrace the American side when we go to watch the NFL EU games. But do you think? potentially in the next 10 years that if we get a franchise in London, the, the games will be like that week in, week out? Or do you think it would be a very hard road to build that up again while the, the potential expansion team we get pulls itself out of the, the very big hole they get put in being an expansion team? I mean, like, obviously it's been, like, muted around for, like, for like 10 years already now, hasn't it? Like, one day we'll have a London franchise. You know, I, I personally wouldn't give up following the Arizona Cardinals for them. And I'm sure, like, pretty much most of the team, people who have the team already wouldn't do it. But, like, they'd go there as, like, second team. Maybe, like, yeah, pick them up as a second team and, like, go watch them as much as they can. But then especially when, like, their other team comes and plays them. So, yeah, it'd be weird, like. Obviously, it'd definitely be like more of a home team atmosphere for them, being the fact that they are the London team. Yeah, because uh, obviously we have the London Monarchs in NFL NFL EU. Do you, do you think at this point they would just move the Jaguars and keep the name and just call them the London Jaguars? I think anything's possible, really, but I can't really see it being the Jaguars being the London team, even though they're like here every single year for like. Who knows how much longer? Yeah, I, I was going to say, and obviously, I feel like it was a step towards it with the Tottenham Hotspur ground being built with the NFL in mind. It's clearly becoming more and more popular in the UK. How far do you think we are actually away from a, from a London or, or at least European-based franchise? I'm personally of the opinion, like, I hope it never happens because, you know, it's American football. There's plenty of markets in America. They've still not really exploited enough to like get a team there or even into Canada I suppose like Toronto somewhere like that could maybe get a team you know there's still other options as opposed to like coming over to the UK and like making the American Football League like a worldwide sort of thing you know maybe it'd like just be a bit weird yeah I think when they originally <coughs> tried it there just wasn't the I don't think there was the fan base there that they didn't really have the capacity for that sort of thing. But we see it now. It's it's a very popular game. There's professional leagues throughout Europe, from Italy to Germany to Austria to Switzerland. We see all these professional leagues popping up. And even in the UK, you've got guys playing semi-professionally. So I think at that point, it's only a matter of time. And the Canadian Football League's even opened up the international draft and the international combine where they go to uh, countries like Australia, New Zealand, Germany, Japan, China, and they they grab international players to sort of open the game up. 
do you think we're more likely to see a independent league pop up with uh, professional style football than we are seeing the NFL come over here? Do you do you think that's going to come first? I could think that would probably be more possible. Yeah, if there's like a, obviously there'll be a market for it, but it depends if there's like financial backers and that sort of thing for it because obviously something like that would cost a lot of money. I mean, you know, we we've seen leagues come and go and. This, the CFL's been there for forever, and obviously the XFL. The Rock bought it now, and it, it, it seems like that's going to be a big deal. Do you think potentially they'll make a play at coming over to the UK? I think anything would be possible, you know, trying something that the NFL isn't doing, you know. That could be, like, one way to, like, take some of their market share, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like Europe is... We're on the precipice of getting a huge thing like that. And we've seen it with baseball and basketball. They have teams in Canada and it it would suck for the CFL to the NFL to put up two Canadian teams because obviously the CFL is kind of struggling right now. And that's probably almost as fun as the NFL uh, for me to watch. Uh, so I think, I think probably anything is, is probably possible uh, if... If if we're looking at it that way, do you watch college football at all? Uh, do you, do you stick with Arizona teams in that regard too? I mean, in college football, I just prefer mainly watching like individual players as opposed to teams. Though, like I've tried to follow teams, but then it's like I see players from other teams I enjoy watching. So I'm like, you know, I just like a college football fan really. Like I enjoy watching players more than I enjoy watching teams. I might have to try and get you on the LSU train then, my friend. That's a very, very fun team to watch. Probably the best quarterback room in college football right now, even though one of them just entered the transfer portal. Um, but bef before we get out of here, so sort of talk to me about um, your Twitter page and stuff, British Bird Gang, uh, and all the stuff you're doing over there, because you, you, you are the number one UK-based Cardinals content page, if I am informed correctly. Yeah, well, obviously there's not really much competition in that regard, so we just like to say that's us because, you know, it's true, and no one can really argue that point. Well, I, I mean, it, I mean, it's definitely a different... They're not the most popular team at all. I, I, I think just sort of the market they're in in the US, and they, they've moved around a lot. Obviously, they were in St. Louis for a little bit and stuff before they finally settled on Arizona. Um, do, do you ever think they'll move again? And if they did, would you still remain a fan? Yeah, I would because it's not, I'm not really like from Arizona, so that really wouldn't bother me as much. I mean, it'd suck for the people of Arizona to lose the team, and also the fact that they've got like probably one of the best stadiums in the entire league. You know, I don't think you'd give that up straight away or for anything really. I was going to say, you guys have got very, very nice, uh, very, very nice facilities. Um, I know people who've been uh, to Phoenix and seen games. My friend Nad actually lives in Arizona and he, he's been a bunch of times. He absolutely loves watching the Cardinals play. Just sucks living in a fucking desert. <laughs> but we're from the UK. We can't really relate to that. We're rained on, I think, 99% of the time. Um, exactly. I'm not sure how I cope when I actually end up going to Arizona, you know temperatures like that i might just like melt on the spot oh mate i live in cincinnati and i'm like in shorts and a jack uh, and a t-shirt 
and there's people walking around with jackets on. What the fuck is wrong with you people? And it was the same for my girlfriend, who's from Cincinnati, who went to LA and she was walking around in shorts and a t-shirt and people out there had jackets and scarves on. So it really shows the different reactions to the weather. I think if we went to Arizona for a little bit, we'd probably both be not only sunburnt, but um, way too used to hot weather because I hear it gets very, very hot out there. Yeah, yeah. I don't like, obviously, I wouldn't like to go into temperatures like 40 odd degrees. But, you know, if there's plenty of air conditioning, I think I'd survive, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's no fun. Um, but with that, we, this sort of brings us to the end of the podcast. And before we run the outro and uh, wrap this up, what do you have to plug? I know, obviously, I've got your Twitter up on screen, but is there anything else you'd like to talk about, including your podcast? Yeah, well, obviously, we have the Twitter page, British Beer Gang. Off that, we have a Facebook group as well, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Beard Gang, and the Facebook page as well, which is British Beard Gang. And we also have a podcast, which is weekly during the season, less often in the off-season, and that's called the British Beard Gang Breakdown, which you can find on all good po- podcast platforms. And also BritishBirdGang.co.uk. I know you guys do some merch as well. I've seen a couple of your shirts and stuff. Good designs as well. I like the um, the sort of the, the, the Kyla Murray headband stuff that you've got going on with your logo as well. Yeah, I should probably get that printed up as merchandise, not just like a crappy Photoshop. I, I thought it. I thought it looked exciting. I, I was expecting to see it on some of the hoodies and stuff, but I like the current design that you've got on the t-shirts and stuff. It's very also also kind of potentially could be a new logo for the Cardinals since they they need to update their logo at some point. I think that's a very clean design that you guys have got over there. Yeah, same thing with the uniforms as well. Everyone wants a brand new uniform. Whether we get one sometime soon, who knows. You're hoping to get back the classics with the uh, Arizona State flag on the shoulder pads. I think it'd be nice to see them modernised because, I mean, you see so many like good mock-ups on Twitter and Reddit, that sort of thing. You know, People have got great ideas and then you just think it could be as bad as like Tampa Bay's redesign. Um, uh, it isn't. I was going to say, you see sort of uniforms going back to that older style with with tampa bay and, and the browns and even the uh chargers in some respects is that what is that what you're hoping for a more classic arizona uniform design i think i'm open to anything really because you know I'm, i don't mind the home shirt and like the alternate black one but i really just don't like the away one because it just looks messy like with the red shoulders on the white i think just all white it'd be much better yeah, I was going to say as well, we've we've got the new helmet rule coming in this season where you can have two helmet shells. So potentially we could see you guys with black helmets and an all-blackout uniform, almost college style. I think that would look pretty good. Clifford thinking back at home then? Yeah, it, it would look exactly like Texas Tech right down to the colour of the logo. But uh, thank you for coming on today, Tom. Really appreciate you giving up your time uh, and coming to talk to us today. And for me... Here at Kieran's Corner and the Full 10 Yards team, this was your team, you'll say, talking about the Arizona Cardinals. Thank you very much, guys. We will see you in the next one. Kick it and go. Kick it and kick it and go.